Hello and welcome to the Unofficial Game Pass podcast with me, Connor Smith, and my good friend, my co-host, Audrin Johnson. Hello. Each week, we look at a game from Xbox Game Pass and we review it in case you want to listen in and decide whether to pick it up. This week, we are looking at The Falconeer, which is an indie game by Thomas Sala. We interviewed Thomas on our last episode, but which was a spoiler cast. So this is our spoiler-free episode where you can listen in and we can give you all our thoughts on the game and whether you should pick it up. Now, The Falconeer released, I believe, last year in October, and it came. It was an Xbox Series X launch title. And it's recently come to Game Pass, and basically what the game is, is your character rides on the back of huge eagles, and you shoot down other eagles and dragons in a cool fantasy world. It's really, really awesome. Anyway, getting into it. Um, Aldrin, what I first want to ask you is, when did you first see the Falconer? It could be a... a the I believe it was at the Xbox Game Showcase last year, but when you did first see the Falconer, what were your first impressions of it? Um, I I'd say I probably saw it like passing by, like you know, whenever Xbox shows off its latest showcase, it kind of a load of stuff just kind of flashes in your face. Uh, so I kind of probably saw it um passively at that stage, and then just kind of didn't really know anything about it. But I, uh, I was only really kind of brought attention to it when you kind of recommended it for the the podcast, and then like obviously then sitting down and playing it, I was like, this looks amazing. Like I really want to get more into this. Um, it it so happened that at the time when we first started playing it, that I had a load of college work to do, so it didn't wasn't a great idea to be really getting sucked into another title, but um. When I when I first uh, yeah no I I love first thing I think I probably noticed was I love the art style and I love sort of the atmosphere it gave off like I just even like when uh, you're flying around on the back of your falcon or in some cases if you get a DLC you can ride around a dragon which I've been doing recently which I've loved um when you just even land on sort of a different sort of uh, area so say you're not doing a mission or whatnot and you land uh in some village or whatnot like just sort of the way the camera pans out and just shows you this big sort of landscape around you like waves crashing against it like it's just such a nice atmospheric game with some you know some you know good good i would say arguably really great uh combat mechanics as well yeah it's it's a very pretty game i think i i saw at the xbox game showcase i'm sure it was it, it was flashed on the screen briefly there and um Obviously, uh, Thomas himself describes it as being in the vein of those those dogfighting, uh, you know, flight combat games like Crimson Skies and uh, Red Red Baron and kind of those old kind of plain dogfighting games. Um, when I first saw this game, my first impression was, okay, I know what this is. This is a you know multiplayer live service game where you're shooting other players down. Yeah, fine, whatever. I, I you know I might I might pick it up, might not. Um, and when it came to Game Pass. It was like, yeah, you know, that's that pretty game I saw. I'll, you know, I'll pick it up. I'll give it a try. You know, it's got Series X optimization. I'll, I'll give it a try. It's only two gig. Download it, fine. And then I boot up the game. And I was like, uh, where's the multiplayer option? Oh, this is a single player indie game. It's like, oh, I'm surprised. I'm actually really pleasantly surprised that this is a, a story driven 
single player game because my my first impression of you know in this very uh clouded kind of uh game market where you have kind of all these multiplayer live service things jumping out at you i thought you know dogfighting with eagles that's definitely going to be like a, a a rocket league type um multiplayer game but no i'm i'm really pleasantly surprised with this i think that having having this game where actually it turns out to be a really meditative take your time uh fly around this world have little missions to do i was really impressed by that hmm. yeah for sure i i think it's um like i love as much as the next person i feel like this game sort of re re uh, what's it um kind of reinstated my sort of enjoyment and you know um admiration of indie titles because for so long i think the last few years um specifically just because i haven't had the time to really delve into so much like stuff in the gaming market like i've been very much focused on sort of mainstream stuff that comes out you know halo maybe i'll get maybe the yearly call of duty and i'll try the multiplayer and that uh other bits as well but like i've always been like a single player focused person i've always really enjoyed those sort of experiences that's not to say i don't like multiplayer i think uh i i love the option of being able to you know get into a game with friends like there's a really good um pc game done by new blood interactive called unfortunate spaceman which is this pc game uh, and it's very much angled around you know this multiplayer game with the option of single player but every now and then i love to be just sort of shown a game that has single player in mind and and it's very much often that that's the case in the indie market now and the falconeer i think is the culmination of like just brilliant work um on behalf of thomas and then like also represents what the indie market really is at the moment which is kind of new ideas that you know haven't either been brought up in a while or you haven't seen that sort of form um that big big developers aren't willing to sort of put money into because they're not sure if they'll get the economic returns out of it but you know somebody who's you know developing by themselves you know is more than happy to put their heart and soul into this passion project and that's what you that's what you get when you load up the falconeer is like uh, i think as he just obviously as he described a really personal story but also you can every time you know the animations you know the voices you know as as much as i have my discrepancies with some of the accents namely the irish accent in it um but of course i'm going to have my problems with that um but like you can tell that there's it's not one of those games that maybe you can say like, well, this was rushed or not, no, because it definitely wasn't. Like it was a, it was a, I think a, a side project almost for him for at the beginning, and then it just became this like big project that he was working on. And you know, he had his deadlines and whatnot, but it was never felt like. It doesn't feel like at least when you're playing that anything was particularly purposefully kind of rushed through the door to get out to a consumer base. Because I think himself knowing it was an indie title, it was either gonna you know. And he even, he even mentions it like it's quite a niche sort of genre to get into as well because there's not so much stuff around it now. And so if there's not a lot of games in that market, you know, there's not going to be a lot of people who are going to be, you know, looking for something like that. And it, I suppose, okay, well, I suppose there's there's a double-edged source that really isn't there because if there's not a lot in that market, you might see that as a, a market gap or just the market doesn't want that. Um But I think the Falconeer has shown that there's a big audience for stuff like this or at least there's a there's a dedicated audience to sort of uh, not just flight sims but like story driven flight combat dog fighting games so uh, yeah no sorry i don't know what sort of tangent i was going on there but uh, i think you kind of get the idea of like th this sort of single player experience i think is something that 
should be seen more of. Yeah, it's amazing, and he, he's still adding to it. You know, hmm. more birds, more side missions, more towns. Um, we, I think, we both had a problem say uh, last last week. The you know little niggle with the game, and now he's fixed it. You know, he's still putting out fixes and polishing and making sure it's the best game it can be. And um, yeah, it's it's been nominated for a, a best debut BAFTA and you know that very well deserved because the amount of work you can see is put into it for one developer for this game you know it's quite astounding really um but yeah absolutely now I think going on to the story it's quite a cryptic story really isn't it um you start really yeah, definitely not- <laughs> you start really not knowing what's going on um because there's a there's a prologue where a pretty significant event happens and you're like what what what, what, what's happening (laughs) uh there's like um let me think there's there's about five chapters or something and you you can start pretty much any one at any time but i did play them uh in order you know it says you should be level whatever mm-hmm. uh i played them from left to right and the first chapter oh it's so hard trying to describe the story especially without spoilers i think the best way to describe it is you're in this world called the ursi and it is a a water world it's all an ocean there's this huge uh trench in the middle of the map like a huge scar in the ocean from a from some sort of battle or some long ago event um and all the all the different settlements of this world that you can fly between and who give you different missions and each chapter you actually change factions so you're working for a a different settlement and these settlements are all related to each other in some way they they all come um i think they all originate in the same family and over the years uh through politics and and different battles and everything they have their own motivations and they have their own relationships and um there's a bit of intrigue uh between them and so when you're changing sides you're getting to see the different sides of the same battle basically and it it's a very broken world it's a, a world stuck in combat and like a, a beautiful environment beautiful world and so there's so much storytelling in the world you know you have these shrines everywhere that you land on and you get uh little pieces of mythology like uh that are like creation myths um yeah really really interesting like putting putting that world storytelling in putting you as the player in and saying you know uh here's your place in this world where you're you're running around doing these various missions and now are you, are you healing this world or are you are you you know continuing to scar it i think is a is a really interesting story premise uh, what did the story do for you and did it did it resonate with you i i think i first of all i really enjoyed the story but i feel like i only really began to really appreciate it when i had finished the game um i think it's something that when i was first playing obviously the prologue um you know becomes quite significant later on down the line but like when you're playing it you're kind of just like oh yeah this is just uh, like a tutorial and like oh this 
this isn't spoiling much because it's obviously the first sort of bit but you're like oh this ship has been shot down like i i don't know anything about this and this makes no sense to me at all but you kind of start piecing stuff together i think as you're going around and the first sort of i really enjoy the more oh what is it the more smaller aspects of story like i enjoy the the first uh first part very much which is quite a controversial thing because i think a lot of people really prefer the ending sequences of this game but i'm a huge fan of like the whole settlement and dunkel and whatnot and all the stuff that goes on there i just think there's a really interesting aspect to it maybe it's just the you know the absolute raspy british voice of the the man who's always sending you out in missions that's kind of like oh my god this guy sounds so cool but no uh the 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 story around the falconeer is 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 interesting to probably if i wanted to say it in its worst form it's interesting and at its best it's you know f- fascinating and amazing and all these different other words i could use to describe it in that form but i think the one thing i always find with it is when you're like halfway through the game and you might start piecing stuff together and then something just gets thrown at you and it's like oh well now what does this mean like i have no idea what's going on again so like it, it's good and i really enjoy it and it's certainly something that if you go, went back to after playing it I, fe- I still feel like you'd find more stuff about the story that would still keep you questioning things and wanting to, to know more and whatnot. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like the, the first chapter, when you're doing those missions, I, I, I played the first chapter very much like, hmm, what's going on here? And the, they feel very much kind of like chores, you know, send off, do this thing, come back, okay, now do this thing. I was like, okay. Uh, is the whole game going to be like this? Is the storytelling going to be really minimal, and you're only going to be able to like piece it together through the environments and uh, bits of lore and mythology? And then in chapter two, there's like a there's like a pace change because uh, there's there's an enemy introduced, and they've got you know kind of interesting dialogue options. And then chapter three, the pace amps up even more. I think from chapter two onwards, it feels like a completely different game because it starts off, you know, really slow, you know, do this, do that, do this. And then suddenly there breaks into this kind of um, Game of Thrones-ish kind of uh, political warring factions thing. Now, it's, it is um, really interesting. And I think that the main thing to say about this story is that the morality is is key and you're you're constantly questioning your morality as a player you know it's like because you have to shoot other birds out of the sky and it often feels pretty brutal and you don't always feel that you are the good guy Hmm. uh and that that always comes i think you know such a such a great um kind of implementation to make you change faction and see something from different angles. I think I, I would just like to add as well that the the way the game is set up, when you click on a chapter, you basically you choose your character by looking through um different different people who have different uh names and and different skin tones and then you you choose an appearance for them and then you choose whether they're you know like a, a falconer or a mercenary or if you've got the dragon dlc you've got the uh whatever the the class 
of of I think it's like a um, a mongoose hunter or something. Mm. Now, when you choose your character, it's I always find this fascinating because it's not like it's not like it ultimately matters. It's not like you see yourself on the bird extensively if you're using photo mode, and even if you're using photo mode, um, your your character always appears to have you know their their armor on. It's not even that your character really matters in this game, but it it's like I think Thomas in our interview with him said that a French reviewer said the Falconer is fantastic if you bring your imagination. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting quote because when you choose your character, it's almost like it's role playing. You you know, you choose your name, you go, Okay, that's the name I want, that this is what I want my person to look like. And then you kind of create the backstory in your head and you kind of get into the role of it it's not even that your character has any lines it's not even that your your character has really much interaction other than uh, other than doing the missions in this world but i think the simple point of choosing your character you feel like a person in this world you feel like you're injecting yourself into this world into a person who you know has already had a life they they have a, a small backstory and you're just thrown in. Now I think that's a really interesting way of doing it. I don't know if many people would feel that it's that it's a very exciting way. But I think for, for people who really like to get stuck into fantasy worlds and really like to imagine, you know, okay. Uh, what's this guy been like previously in his life? And, you know, I don't know. How did you feel? Did you feel connected to your character at all? Did it matter to you when you were creating your characters? Um, I, I don't know. I think outside of an, an aesthetic point of view, I don't think I had too much connection with the the character. I kind of, um, the best way I could probably describe it is like, um, oh, what other games kind of, it's like, I suppose almost like in a sense to, to halo like but in more or less the sense so obviously halos wise the initial few games mash chief talks very little and he's meant to you know be the player's almost eye into that universe but he holds significant importance within that universe i think on the falconeer's end it maintains all of those aspects bar the importance of your character i think your character very much is like the average everyday what falconeer the falconeers are considered quite important but like obviously among those ranks you're quite you know benign in that sense um and i think almost i th- I think this is why i quite like the the dunkel section so much is because as you say like you're doing everyday errands like so you're just kind of a citizen of this world or a falconer of this world like and it's more like when i talk about games in a sense it's like your character isn't really a main character i think the main character of the game is the setting itself uh you know the world in which you traverse is more important than your character and i think that becomes evidently clear because you know you're switching factions constantly so it's not like there's this one overarching individual that you're playing as that holds this great control over what happens um so i didn't really have too much of a of a connection bar say like you know changing what class they were what they look like and whatnot hmm yeah, it's interesting because uh, I, th- I think Thomas also said that you are you are the person that gets the thing done. So if the main world, if the main character is the world, 
and you're basically seeing what hap- what becomes of this world through your own um, input as the player, and you can't really change what you're doing. You can't really, you know, when there's a, a mission saying, you know, kill these people, you can't go, oh, I don't want to kill these people. You know, it's your job to, to get it done. And sometimes it makes you feel a little guilty for your actions. I think it it's an interesting story. And I will say that at the end there there is a revelation that gives gives the the through line the, the linearity of the chapters and and all that you've played, it, it gives it a point. I say it's well worth getting to the end and, and seeing that and, and just playing like chapters, you know, two, three, four and five as well, just just for like how the pace picks up and, and the, the scenarios and I, I think it gets really interesting. Mm-hmm. Going on to gameplay, what was your first experience taking control of one of these birds in in the prologue in the you know getting with the controls well well, the first thing i did was turn off inverted controls because i think i don't know matt i I don't care if it's like a staple of that series or that genre or whatnot i have never liked inverted controls um and for the few you know people who are really into the dogfighting sort of scene and that'll probably be a, a a crucifying moment to say that um but I've never I've never liked that stuff, so I switched that back. But bar that, I think I think the gameplay is good. Like I I don't think I certainly don't think it's the my favorite thing about the game. I think you know the flight is good. I like um what is it? I I I really do like the fact that there is a sense of stamina to your uh to your bird or your dragon and whatnot. I think that lends itself really well, not only to a gameplay um, sense, but it also, from a story sense, it makes you slow down and appreciate what's around you. So you're not like kind of, and I've never, I, I don't think I ever really found myself, you know, rushing. Like there is an option to, once you're finished a mission, skip ahead and go back to the, to your home, I suppose. Um, But I never found myself, at least maybe on one or two occasions, I never found myself using it because I wanted to experience the world. So the gameplay itself, I think, is it's quite it's simple, but it's effective. Um, dog fights feel intense. Like there's a good sense of, you know, like you're rustling for control with your falcon as you're going through a dog fight or whatnot. You know, struggling to keep up with the opposing side. Now, saying that, I don't think firefights are particularly difficult. I think they're quite. I think they're quite easy. Like I very rarely found myself using the evade. Um, I think just more for like, <laughs> I think I finally only used it like, uh, like just for sort of the fun of it. Like at stages I was like, Oh, I'm going to dive towards this guy. I know he's going to shoot me and then I can do an evade. Like I never found myself using it tactically. Like, Oh, that really saved my skin there. But no, did I, you not, did you not find it difficult? No, I, I, I didn't think the the gameplay was too difficult. I think the what? only time I died was, um, from collision damage uh because the aiming uh if not auto locked on when you're like in front like i just i was so stupid at one point so um there's like these sky mines in the which i think uh 
<laughs> like no one no one if you're paying attention will crash into them but for some reason i thought it'd be a fun idea to try and you know shoot them down i kept missing every shot and then i collided into one and i died but besides that i didn't find myself struggling too much with the combat i think once you, once there's there's one very very special thing that i think everyone should invest in when they start using the shop in this game and that is the rockets <laughs> it's it's an easy way to just say like oh, i don't feel like playing this encounter at the moment just get rid of what's ever in front of me um like because there's there's times like uh this isn't really a spoiler but like there's times in like the sort of the second chapter or the third chapter where like uh, this big sort of as would be described as like a flagship for any of the factions comes out of nowhere and just get this big introduction and like I literally just I hit the rocket button and then all of a sudden I get this next like sort of in-game little cutscene bit where it's like it going down it's like oh what what a menacing fight I just had there um but not I I do like I like the gameplay I think it fits it well um for a game that I pretty much um stick on to relax and like just kind of get away from whatever is going on at the time i think it really suits its purpose quite well is it difficult i've heard people have had difficulty with the combat late stage in this game i didn't personally find that me, me I, like i am certainly no pro gamer either and certainly no pro player when it comes to something like the falconeer but i, I didn't find it i didn't find it too rough um to be honest oh my no, what difficulty were we playing on? Were we playing on normal? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I loaded up on normal, all right, yeah. I had to put it down to easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I started off uh, thinking, oh, I, I know what I'm doing. I've played dogfighting games, I'll be fine. Uh, I didn't have a problem near the end of the game, although I was playing on easy. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but there, there was a certain point where I was just like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this at all. Uh I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. I just felt like people were... And I know what you're saying about the rockets, but, like... See, realistically, unless... I, I'm i not overly certain of how the charging with the rockets works. I understand that you kind of need to go through different storms to charge your, your pots. Hmm. Um, but there, there were certain missions where you, you have to take down multiple kind of boss flagships or whatever. And... I I use them on the flagships to go. Okay, that's them gone. Fine, brilliant, awesome. Um, and then I would have used like my two uh, rockets uh, that that I've been given like permission. And then there'll be another one, and it's like, oh, I can't I can't do the mission now <laughs> because I've used all my rockets and I'm gonna die. Uh, and I did die. I did. I died a lot. And most of it was like having to ration my rockets for certain enemies and knowing when to hold back and knowing when to when to use them um i put it down to easy just because i'm i'm a very <laughs> casual gamer uh i i play mostly single player games um and if if it presents too much of a challenge i i just go Doop, uh down down a peg just cuz that's easy for me hmm um the the sky mines as you're saying i thought were a really interesting little little mechanic really because obviously they're little mines on balloons but actually they're quite deadly in a dogfight because if if you go into the strings and you loop one yeah. like so that you're flying into it the the balloon kind of comes down as as you string along the string and it explodes when it when it finally reaches you or um especially collision damage i hated that i hated that because i'd be aiming at an enemy i'd be shooting them 
and then as I kill them and they explode, <laughs> I obviously still fly into them and it's like instant death. It's like no, no, and and death is is painful because you have to go back to the the beginning of the mission mm. every time. Actually, and, um, wait on that. Do fly you, to do you think there should be checkpoints? Because I I had this dilemma the kind of the other day when I was playing like and obviously w- once you die. It, it kind of resets you back to as if you didn't select the mission and you end up clicking it again and going through the same sort of cutscene. Do you think there should be checkpoints in the mission? Yeah, I, I personally, as as a gamer, like I you know, I've played Crash Bandicoot four, not with um the three lives rule, but with, with checkpoints because I'm just it's not that I'm a sucky gamer, it's just that I don't have much time to play games in my life, yeah. and I don't want to spend most of that time looking at a load screen or whatever, so, you know, um, yeah, checkpoints would have made my life a lot easier. Um, that said, you know, there are certain game design choices that people make, and, uh, mm. you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm willing to forgive most of, of this game's... Um, annoyances just because you know one developer i i i'm I'm too impressed by the game to really seriously fault it Hmm. um when i when i first got into the prologue and i was having the controls um you said you inverted the the cat see i invert i don't invert the camera so when i i go up i look up when i go down i look that i look down um, but the bird itself, I do like to to go up so that you tilt down and and have that inverted. The control itself, do you do? You no, I changed. I changed both. I I, uh, I I'm not you a big fan both. of that sort of thing. Interesting. I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine controlling the bird. I'm uh, not. It's nice. It was an option because... though to do that. I I like that that's been included because I've played games before where that hasn't been an option to uninvert. And I think it's just it's just for more of ease of access because. Obviously, I think if you're playing games with inverted controls a lot, it's going to kind of come a second nature. Or if you're playing games of a similar sort of sense and everything's inverted, it's going to come as like that. But I don't play sort of those flight games a lot with inverted controls. So I kind of like it, the fact that, you know, say if I go and play this, if I go over and play another game, I'm not going to have like this sort of uh, messed up mindset about how controls work and all that. And my head's going to be in inverted mode. So I, I, I do like the fact that that was included. Mm. See, I I hate it putting something like a uh, Halo Combat Evolved on inverted controls. As I, it definitely doesn't feel right there. You know, when I look around, I I want to look around in the directions I'm pressing. However, I came to this game just after playing Abzu, where you play as a little uh, scuba diver, and that had inverted controls. Um, the the camera I I put on normal, mm-hmm. uh, and for some reason it just enhances it for me. I I can't explain it. Um, the controls themselves, I did have a problem with sometimes when you tried to break, you'd dive, but then Thomas fixed it within like a few days of me playing the game, so it was like, okay, well, that's gone. Hmm. Um, the other thing is that this only occurred to me during the races, but because when you're boosting um, to get to the different checkpoints and get the fastest time you can on the races, the boost button is also the same button as the, the barrel roll uh, evade. Yeah. So if you're turning a corner with boost, you evade and like do a one eighty and uh are facing the complete wrong direction and have to do the whole race again. So that 
that was annoying. <laughs> and and the races themselves, I, I found actually really difficult because you have to know where each checkpoint is and you have to know it like the back of your hand before you even give it a go most of the times. Yeah. Although maybe that was just... I mean, I did one and then I tried to do Imperial Peak where you have to like fly uh, anti-clockwise, anti-clockwise down the down the big peak and then like go through the harbour. And that was like... That was impossible. I gave up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the controls themselves, I don't know if they felt very intuitive at the beginning, but by the end of the game, it felt, you know, it felt so natural. Um, yeah. So that may that may just be a, a question of familiarity. I know that Thomas cut recently cut forty percent off the prologue, you know, so um, so he cut kind of um, picking up mines and and different controls that you do have throughout the game, so that to get to get the game is in the in the game faster. Um, but for for the most part, for the most part, I really enjoyed the the controls and the gameplay. I thought it was at times intense. Uh, the combat was stressful but rewarding. Uh, when you progress your weapons up, you you feel like a, a weapon of power. Mm. It's um, yeah, it felt really good. And and also that system of you have you know that stamina bar, and boosting uses stamina and evading uses stamina and flying higher uses stamina and flying down gives you more stamina so my my technique for flight in this game was to boost up and then glide down a little bit to get more boost and Hmm. boost up i don't know if you had like a a thing that you always did yeah well pretty much when i was doing the flying the object was get as high as possible Obviously, go down a little bit, use your stamina, go down a bit, and, you know, keep going forward. Most of the time, I found myself always, like, even if it wasn't in my general direction for the objective, if I see, you know, one of those wind tunnels that you can take, I, like, if it was going the complete opposite direction, I still went to it because I wanted to get the speed off it. There was no, there was no need for it, logically, but I, I think you're just kind of drawn to it. Yeah, I think they're, they're quite fun. It attracts you like a, like a moth to a, to a flame, really, is... Um... <laughs> It, and sometimes I'd take them and it took me straight past my, my objective. It was like, <laughs> that that was not advantageous. It's still worth all. it. It was a fun way. To, it's the fun way of getting there. Yeah, because you, um, you have a wind... Oh, I don't know what they're called. Yeah, little uh, wind Tornadoes or typhoons or whatever. Yeah, that, that boost you up. Hmm. And then you have those, those little uh, wind currents high up in the sky that carry you along. So you've got different things that implement that are really handy... Um, They'll fully, fight. um, they'll fully re, you know, reestablish your stamina. So if you go into one of them, like in your low in stamina, like there's an actual good gameplay focus for them as well. Yeah, I I do find it interesting that there are these mechanics in the world, like the the storms, and you have like kind of lightning storms where they will charge your lightning pots. You have a uh, volcanic thunder storms, I think, where it will charge your your volcanic pots. Hmm. Um. And the water will cool you down as well if you overcharge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and there's there's fish leaping out of the water that you can dive down and eat for for health. There's all these sort of things that interacting with the environment mm. is completely beneficial, and you know it feels satisfying to use, which is fantastic. I also really love just how the the stamina element always makes you feel like the sea is drawing you in yeah just because you're always feeling like you're trying to keep up and keep up keep up and so you know this whole world that's just sea it just feels like it's like sucking you in and trying to drown you i I felt that that was so so powerful and just in just a gameplay um element 
to have that kind of story uh, told through that, I thought was fantastic. Hmm. Actually, just on controls, yeah, I kind of mentioned. Right, sorry, just just before we go on uh, on controls as well, I really I really appreciated the fact because this I think this is the first time I've seen it on a console game that I've played on the new Series X. Anyways, is that I love the idea that you can remap buttons. I think that's such a such a quality uh, way to bring that up as well because for ages like I've always like I ha- I recently got the Elite Series Two controller which allows you to remap buttons on it, and that was sort of a godsend because I it meant I could start experiencing games with different controls or whatnot that I kind of wanted to change for a while but couldn't. But I love the fact that this is just integrated in so that anyone can change any button that they want to, and that's like again I think it's just a it's like it's it's expo it's console games in general catching up with pc in that sense um i think like fov sliders are only starting to become a, a relatively new thing to consoles as well i think the next step is probably keypad binding as well and whatnot um but that was really nice the one the one thing i would say though and i think this has been a big criticism of the falconeer is that some people and thomas even mentioned this himself that like some people find the sensitivity way too high. Some people find it way too low. I would love if they implemented a, a slider uh, for something like that. Uh, I think that's one thing I'd love to see as an addition. Because I'm not sure what the logistics of it would be if it's if it's a big task for a developer to put into something that's kind of focused around a certain element of gameplay. Would it detract from the overall experience? But if it made people's life that little bit easier, I think it might be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. The the more control you have over your controls, absolutely matters. I know that um, whenever I'm playing something like Call of Duty or Halo, I will always put sensitivity up to you know ten. Hmm. Um, and Halo, each Halo game, I have a very specific, you know, I know what control where what control should be where on my on my Xbox controller, hmm. and they are not consistent uh, throughout each Halo game. But when I play that Halo game that is the button for it and uh, i'm very specific about that and sometimes you know the 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 bumpers I, I don't like using the bumpers for certain things i prefer to tap a button um so for you know remapping controls just for accessibility as well absolutely vital uh mm-hmm. where we are at the moment with with video games moving on to the graphics we've, we've mentioned how how beautiful uh the the graphics look in this game I think the the main thing to mention about the art style is is something which is really unique is that there are no textures. Now I, I'm by no means an, an expert on on video games or or, uh, or or graphical design in video games, so I don't know how I'm going to quite describe this. But it's almost like you're as qualified being, as I am. Uh, <laughs> The, the the sculpting of of the mountains and the settlements and and your your little guy and the bird they're all very much kind of block mm. um kind of uh like shapes and colors and they're done so effectively that it looks you know really really effective and if you zoom in on it it's actually surprising it's like wow there are no textures you know it's just a, like this kind of um like this clay model or something it's all like kind of one shape just kind of shaped in this way and colored in this way and it it creates this kind of really beautiful world where everything just has this kind of vibrant color to it and the from the kind of the the changing weather in the day night cycles and this this photo mode where you can actually uh choose what time of day it is you can like press a button and 
and like the sun will go all the way around the sky and you can see all the different colors the sky can be ultimately just like a really colorful beautiful game hmm. yeah no i i definitely agree with that because i think i i mentioned this on twitter because it's the only game that i've ever really gone out of my way to use a photo mode in um and it's like i think it's it speaks like it's a big testament to sort of this idea that you know whenever people think of graphics in a game it's not really about like what does it look like it's more does it look real which i think is a really poor way of looking at video games to think that the main thing is like oh well does it look lifelike because obviously some games don't go for that like games like mario are like some of the best in the industry but nobody's like oh yes this looks like a real authentic italian plumber like it the main aspect of it is like you know does the art style itself graphic wise you know do the graphics elevate that art style that it's going for and i think in the case of the falconeer like you know stuff is so small in comparison to sort of like the world itself that you know having it be a little blocky or whatnot isn't going to deteriorate from it because you only notice it if you go into photo mode and literally zoom in on the character and even at that point like if you're in there like it feels consistent with the world that's being built. Like, you look at it, you don't think, oh, that doesn't look unrealistic. You're thinking, like, well, if you're going to take that stance anyways, like, you're flying around on a massive bird in the middle of the ocean. Like, so I think realism and reality have kind of gone out of the window in this sense. So the way I've always looked at it is, like, does it, like, does it suit what we're, we're playing? And I think in a sense, yeah, it does. Like, I really enjoy the way visually this game presents itself graphics wise art wise and so forth like everything feels consistent everything feels uh, new and fresh and, and i suppose that's that's the benefit of being an indie title is that you can experiment with stuff like that as well um and certainly this game has done that yeah i feel like art style in a game gives the game heart and soul and character i feel like um halo sort of lost its way a little bit when it got to kind of halo 5 and you know they wanted to amp up the realism and make it kind of a, a gritty first person shooter like the other ones on the market it's like no halo was always kind of you know it could have been out of a comic book you know the realism kind of, of, a, of a pizza realism. assault rifle skin <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but um I think, though, I there think... is a good argument for both, though, because, like, let's just take Halo as an example. Like, the simplistic armor designs of, say, like, Halo 3 or below that and whatnot. Like, people really like those. Like, but then you go to, like, Reach or 5. There's a bit more complexity to the armor styles. I think, well, actually, I think better to split it by Bungie and 343. Like, both of them have good iterations. Like, I'm a huge fan of a lot of the 343 armor variants. Like, I really like the... I think EOD is a lot better under 343. Like, there's some absolute insane maniacs i think eod looks good on halo 3 and i will never stand by that like who is being who who is enjoying that that like that, that helmet like that that is an absolutely woeful looking helmet um but like then like you look at halo 3 and you're thinking like um oh like the mark 5 and the mark 6 like they look good on halo 3 and you can see that art style kind of gets adapted over to 343 and yeah it still looks good but it's good because of the memory of it i think 343 develops some really good armor styles like yes it's a little bit more realistic but the world in which they create kind of warrants that more realism whereas like halo 3 you know when you go into multiplayer and that it's very much more of an arcade shooter as opposed to say like you know even even with like halo 4 and 5 they try to make like say firefight and multiplayer be like sort of like training exercises in lore wise for like spartan fours so like 
in Halo 3, it's literally just, like, these random lads with, like, power suits just happen to be in the same area at once, and they both happen to be red and blue, and they're going to fight each other. So, yeah, no, there's a good, there's a, um, there's a fine balance, I think, you can have, like, do you want to go all-out realism? Do you want to be, like, kind of embrace your cartoony, arcadey side, which is kind of like CE, I think, you know, the bright, vibrant colors and whatnot, or the gritty, gray aesthetic of an old, of a, like, a more realistic game? It's just like it's about no like this is what this is the one thing I'll say about the sort of the armors and Halo and then we can get back to the actual game and topic, sorry. Um like there's one thing because obviously three four three tried to incorporate a lot of the old stuff from like Halo three and two and all that, you know, with the release of like the Remember Reach map, uh Remember Reach bundle in Halo five, which saw a load of the helmets from like George, Emil, all those come over into Halo five. And yes, they they've ad- they adapted them a little bit. But, like, they still stick out, like, a sore thumb in comparison to, say, all the, like, I don't know, something like Photos. Um, so, like, it's just, um, it's about committing to your art style, I think. And the Falconeer, like, obviously, since it's its own independent title, commits very much to the stuff. There's nothing that sticks out like a sore thumb and it. it all works well together. Like, so, like, when something in, like, Chapter 3 happens and this completely... Like, maybe you're introduced to a new faction. That faction feels like it's in that world and it feels like it's part of that world. It doesn't feel like it's been plucked from a different sort of universe or a different game and kind of slid in. So I, th- I think it's not so much about, uh, at least graphic-wise, it's not about the importance was never at, you know, does it look real? Does it look cartoony? It's more about committing to a certain style that you want to go for and kind of not trying to make compromises halfway through or maybe thinking oh but i kind of want to hope this audience comes into it like it's about committing to your audience committing to the art style and kind of making the best product you can out of that really yeah i definitely echo that because i I feel that the art style really serves the falconer well um i think it was probably most apparent to me when i went to play as a dragon and i you know loved the dragon because it's like oh i feel epic i feel awesome it was actually more uh kind of more powerful than the birds I could get in, in chapter one so I was like shooting things out of the sky it's like fantastic um, and then after so long of playing the dragon there's something I realised and that I didn't feel as much as an of emotional connection with my dragon as I had with my bird which was really weird because you know surely it doesn't matter what I'm riding on it's it's a dragon or it's a bird but actually, the the actual character that the bird has, the wings, the you know the the little eyes, um, when when you go in photo mode and you can see the the cute little eyes of your bird before you pump it full full of mutagens and it you know <laughs> makes makes the eyes all pop out and weird. Uh, if you keep your bird healthy uh, and uh, low spec, it's it's a very cute bird and and just really beautiful animation of how it flies. Hmm. And as epic as the dragon is, it just made me... It cemented in my mind why the art style works so much. It's that you really feel connected to the environment around you. You feel connected mm. to the bird or creature that you're riding on. It, it's really easy to get a connection with this game because it's all just kind of bursting with character. Yeah. And that, it's doing that without any textures or fine details. Yeah. Definitely. Now, moving on to music and audio. Mm-hmm. I I believe all the music and audio in this game was done by Wired 
Productions, which is a, a an indie publisher that Thomas worked very closely with. Hmm. Um, UK based so indie you... publisher at that as well. Oh, really? Hmm. Interesting. Um, so you have fantastic music, like um, it's it's funny because I I'd recently been listening to the Pathless soundtrack, uh, which is a game by um, Austin Wintry that I can't play because it's on PlayStation. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, I love his music. Um, and it had lots of uh, throat singing in, and I thought, oh, that is beautiful. I love throat singing in, in and well, anyway, used in this soundtrack, beautiful. And then play the falconer. It's like, oh, throat singing. Throat singing is making a some sort of uh, a, <laughs> a resurgence uh, in the gaming on, market. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> splashing onto the scene. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I thought it was really interestingly done because mm. the combat music feels really. You know, heavy with the drums. Um, I think the throat singing actually the the pitch as you fly higher, it gets higher, and as you as you fl- fly lower and even into the the more it goes to like really deep frequency. So the actual altitude that you're flying at, um, the the soundtrack responds to it, which I thought was was really really interesting. I thought that it really made for that. It really helped that kind of meditative, beautiful. You know, you're just kind of sailing on your wings across the ocean and you've got this this easy kind of tone in your in your ear i thought it, was, it made the atmosphere wonderful mm-hmm. when we come on to the actual voice acting i think that it leaves a i, th- <laughs> I think it leaves a lot to be desired especially if if you're as passionate about this game as I am and you're mm-hmm. as into it as I am and you you want this world sold to you in in the best portrayal possible I think I didn't really have a problem with the um I keep forgetting her name there's a there's a shaman that talks in kind of cryptic uh little uh messages every time you you die or load up a checkpoint mm-hmm. she's fine uh the law masters at each settlement they're fine I think it really comes into play really with different people you talk to. As you said, the most horrendous crime <laughs> is the character with the Irish accent, which um, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about it, to be honest, because it it, it is like an awful, over-exaggerated Irish accent. I, I, I don't even know if, if you would say that person is Irish children or if, the, if they're like massively putting it on. I reckon they must be putting it on. Oh, yeah. I don't um, think I've... I, I can tell you, I have lived on all areas of the island of Ireland and I, I, I don't think I've met someone with an accent like that. <laughs> oh, I, I just found it hilarious because he, he'd be your like little... Because uh, you can fly around and you have this little... These companions who... Hmm. You can uh, press on a D-pad. You can say, defend me. Uh, so there's one on your tail. Um, or you can press, attack my target. And they go, yeah. Um, and, you, and you're paired with this guy. And he has this hilariously bad Irish accent. And he's like, he's like shouting in your ear all the time. He's like, <laughs> I, I'm not even going to... but He'll shout something like, no, they've got the whatever. And he'll just do it in this really... <laughs> It just, it just makes you think, you know. Okay, this okay. This is a this is a world. You know, all the characters can be colourful in that kind of, uh, 
mm. the character that fantasy worlds have. They can be kind of quirky and different. Yeah, fine. That's that's fine. But I mean, I, I'm just kind of bursting out in laughter at this Irish accent and feeling like, <laughs> oh, this is this is like uncomfortably bad. <laughs> yeah. It's like um, it's. It reminds me of very much, you know, when people do like this, like it's the Irish equivalent of when uh, people are like, uh, oh, people from the UK, like, oh, we're British in it. Like, you know, when people do that sort of accent or they're like, like, there's two variations of it. There's the, oi, we're British in it. And then there's the, oh, well, I'll governor, you know, that sort of like other. And then when you go to Ireland, it's like, oh, did you leprechaun coins, whatnot. And then the accent that you hear from the other guy is very much the second accent that you'll hear, which is like, this is an outrage. This is disgusting. Like, it's just like, this is not what people sound like. It's just like. <laughs> no, I, you, you gave me kind of trauma flashbacks to a, a, a game night. Um, the, the, the podcast evolved the Halo podcast evolved uh, Discord community have game nights on, on Tuesdays uh, and they have like mm-hmm. uh, custom games on Halo on the MCC and every time I turn up and I, I speak with my, with my English accent I, I get immediately the whole well I think there was one time the party was, was invaded by uh, our friend Matt's friends and uh, they all tried to uh, speak in a an English accent in mockery of me, <laughs> and uh, it didn't make me very happy because it just sounded like they were doing really bad Australian accents. It's like that's not what I sound like. <laughs> but um, are your distant cousins? Yeah. The so if if, <laughs> if I imagine that experience, and I, I might be able to like feel what perhaps you felt when when hearing that accent. Yeah. See, I have the, I have the pleasure of like um. The thing with like Americans, whenever they're talking to you, is like, uh, they kind of, I think they feel more comfortable being able to. They they kind of think in their head like, yeah, I could do a British accent, I could do a British accent. But they're an Irish accent, like, oh, there's no way I'm getting that, and won't even try. Like, so they they, they always they'd never do it to you. They might close doors, but they know they wouldn't say it to your face. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, as much as it pains me to sort of criticize the voice actor and i think it's it's mainly that one character that is is portrayed so bad uh, my main criticism of the other voice acting of the different characters is that mostly none of them really stand out as mm. as great performances or you know they're all just kind of there's you know it's nice that the text is said basically um i appreciate all the different all the hard work and effort gone into the voice acting but it's there and it does the job but you know ultimately it's just not as impressive as as the rest of the game unfortunately Mm -hmm. i think i think in fairness if you had to kind of categorize it i would say that the out of all the aspects of the game i think the voice acting was the the one that was lacking but i also think was the one that was kind of kind of tacked on it wasn't really as important to the development of it which i think i think is fine i the only thing i kind of have a real problem with it like and i don't mind bad voice acting like god knows i've heard it enough like if you played kingdom hearts i think you've become accustomed to bad voice acting but like if you like like when it comes to this i i don't understand why there's some elements of the game that are spoken and then there's bits where like say if you go to the shop like there's text on screen that's coming up and the person looks like they're speaking but there's no audio to it and the same goes for certain combat encounters as well or like it'll like say like oh i'm on your wing or something but they won't actually say that i don't know if that like because obviously this was finishing up around pretty much the end like mid-covid i think they were finishing this up so you'd kind of have to realize you kind of have to think like and obviously 
Thomas was making changes to the game all the way up until like February anyways so there could well have been more dialogue that had to be added in that they couldn't record or something like that uh, so I kind of feel like COVID kind of did them bad on that if I'm honest yeah absolutely I feel like in in this, in this strange time where games have to be developed when everyone's uh, unable to travel hmm. unable to leave their, their house I feel like you know you're going to have to forgive um, the, the audio work that you know Thomas may not have been able to have you know, a huge amount of involvement in I imagine that you know he perhaps may have wanted to visit the, the studios and you know have some input or you know who knows who knows but what in whatever case there there was not that option so we have we have the the voice acting hmm. um i i will say know, on the off chance I, that thomas listens to this episode i am more than willing to lend my voice for an irish accent should you need it in the future <laughs> any excuse to get into a game <laughs> Well, uh, I, I definitely look forward to that because, um, <laughs> I mean, I'd, whenever your voice turns up in a game, I'm probably it's probably just gonna lull me to sleep because you have like the most re- relaxed kind of comfortable Irish accent. I can't imagine you screaming that a flagship's just been uh, destroyed. I, I don't know whether uh, to but... take that as a compliment, considering I'm trying to interest people and think <laughs> that I put them to sleep. Oh, I I no, should have gone no, into I'm the not teaching profession. You put to sleep. I... <laughs> No, I'm saying that your voice is really nice to listen to. It's like, uh, mm. you know what? That's that's the last time I try and compliment you on the podcast. <laughs> I'm surprised anyway, you managed to say. Congrats around. on staying awake this full hour, Connor. I must say, it's been very. <laughs> you've done so well. <laughs> right. Sorry, my uh, Discord glitched a little there. Right. Um, so we're getting around to that mark. Mm-hmm. So let's let's summarize our thoughts on the game. My thoughts on the Falconeer is that it's uh, now I'm I'm someone that's passionate about indie games, so I I love it. I think the art style is fantastic. I think bringing back that dogfighting genre of video games and making it uh, an emotional, story-driven fantasy, um, really just a, like an intricate game with with kind of so many different like meanings and and lore on the periphery i i found it to be really moving i really liked it i don't think it's for everyone mm-hmm. i think that if you look at it and you think it's your type of game you know it's it's like the medium i think you know if if you look at, at that game and think oh yeah i play a, a, a split screen game where you know it's horror and i like to go around and pick up things if you want to play as a game where you fly around as a bird and and, and shoot enemies down out of the sky and there's there's kind of story and lore to explore in the world and it's a really really pretty game that you can you can just relax and and put on absolutely absolutely go play it i think it's it's wonderful and i i wish you know thomas the the very best for his um bafta nomination i hope i really hope this game gets more recognition because I think it's brilliant and I, I really look forward to see uh, what Thomas does with the Falconeer and what he does next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd reiterate a lot of the same points, to be honest. I think it's a it's a game worth at least trying out. I think every game on Game Pass is worth trying out if it's free, but I think specifically this genre or this sort of um, 
how would you defer it with this uh, development budget size game is worth trying out indie games don't get a lot of love which is unfortunate uh, considering you know if you go to if you think of the gaming market they are the most innovative in that sense that they will try new things they're not they're not scared to kind of get it wrong or whatnot like so i think in, in a sense like this game for me has definitely even just disregarding sort of story elements which are all fantastic this game is sort of um as i mentioned earlier revitalized my love in the indie the indie market like i found myself going onto steam now a lot and looking up uh, different games like uh, indie games that i played before and trying to find new ones because they are very much like these very niche ideas that don't get told a lot but when you find something that you really like in it it does it so well and the falconeer if you if you enjoy this sort of style of game like i think you'll be addicted to it and it's very it's well worth getting addicted to as well because at the end of the day like you know we had thomas on last week like we're we're a very small podcast like to be able to reach out to somebody who's sat down developed a game themselves for four years and they're just as kind and generous with their time as as he was like you know you don't get that with a lot of big games so supporting people in this sort of scene is very much needed and i think it's what like you know although the discord on discourse online is always you know oh, these games are bringing in microtransactions and they're ruining gaming. And, you know, that's a whole different debate in itself. But, like, the people who say that a lot of the time, like, they're only really playing games, like, that are made by AAA studios and not really looking at anything else. Um, and I think it's important for people to look at the smaller the smaller indie developers, AA developers and whatnot. Like, two of the, two of the four games we've looked at on this podcast already were uh, AA and below titles. And I think they're probably the ones we've gotten um, the most, well, the if not the most enjoyment, the most discussion out of because they've brought forward new ideas. Whereas like, like we looked at Halo, which is obviously was groundbreaking at its time, but it's kind of more the mainstream now. And Control is very much a culmination of a lot of mainstream tropes and as- aspects put into one as we kind of both discussed. But these two games have brought us some new experiences. And, you know, I think... Whilst I didn't enjoy the medium, I think it's a good standpoint. The Falconeer I really enjoyed. I look forward to seeing more stuff like that again. And I realise I'm talking for way too long again. Uh, but no, to summarise it, I think this is really good. I think you should go and try it. You'll know pretty much straight away if it's not your sort of thing. And if not, you know, at least you tried it anyways. Um, but if it is your thing, well worth supporting the developer on this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Go go listen to our interview with Thomas if if you've played the game and even if you if you haven't played the game i don't think there's any awful spoilers until the to the the very end of of the podcast Mm -hmm. my last conversation thread so you can you can make it throughout most of of that episode and he's he's a wonderful speaker really interesting guy um really really enjoyed talking to him i think it's it's well worth a listen but anyway, that will be all for the Falconeer. So thank you so much for. for oh wait, listening. before before we finish, uh, we should promote that we do now have a Discord server, uh, Rapture Radio Discord server. If you want to come over there, you can talk to us. You can recommend games for Game Pass, uh, any other sort of suggestions for the channel as well. So there'll be a that'll be the top link in the description. Uh, so follow us over on that if that's your sort of thing. Yeah, we'd love to see you there. Uh, now next week we're hoping to take a look at Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order which is of course uh, one of the games included in Ultimate Game Pass with EA Play mm-hmm. and if you want to play that or have played that and want to hear our thoughts on it 
and tune in next week. And thank you all for listening. See you next time. See you.